Happy Fourth of July. Everything alternative. Uh, you're listening to Public Announcement. I'm Chris Black. I'm James Ellis. And I'm Audrey Sung. Wow, only a, uh, a month between episodes. Uh, kind of crazy. Jay, I don't know what to say, man. I mean, that that's real momentum. <laughs> yeah, well. So much momentum. Wow. Uh, today, we're speaking with Chris's son, Flynn McGarry. So advanced. In the kitchen and in life. Flynn is, is very advanced, yes. I was impressed. Was that your first time meeting Flynn? No, but it'd only been like, what's ups, you know, before. <laughs> that was the first time I'd ever had like a real conversation with Flynn. You know, I mean, it, it was actually my first time uh, getting into a lot of this stuff with Flynn. You know, when we're hanging, we're not usually talking heavy shop like this. My boyfriend and I went to the restaurant last week. Uh, Strong presentation? Yes. Wonderful ambiance? The whole thing. I mean, Flynn knows how to do it. He's a pro. Why don't you tell the listenership about your son, Flynn? He is my fucking son. You're hiding a son. I'm hiding. Yeah, exactly. You're hiding a son. I keep him in Virginia. <laughs> or Toronto, whatever. I also, I'll have some Drake gossip off mic as well. That's been mm. confirmed. Um, situate the listenership. You know, set the stage. Sure, I can. I can do that, I guess. Uh, so, so um, our guest today is Flynn McGarry. Um, he's a chef from California, where he actually started a makeshift restaurant in his family's living room, which led to a series of other pop-up successes. He's trained at some of the best restaurants in the country. There's a documentary that is coming out about him soon, and he just opened his first permanent restaurant, Gym, on the Lower East Side. Flynn also happens to have been born in a really important year, 1998. But he's been cooking since he was 10 years old. And that's part of his whole mythology, like the fact that he started early. Yeah, man, look, sometimes people find it early, you know, God yeah, bless. Yeah. And I'm impressed at how he's been navigating, you know, the, um, I don't know if I would say celebrity, but the, yeah, the like fame. All, all the attention. The fame, attention. All the press. Yeah, but, you know, I think in the food world, it's part of the game to get out there. You're, you're serving food to people, and they want to know who you are, why you do what you do, that whole thing. So I guess it's not that unusual, yeah. uh, the celebrity chef part of this. But again, you know, I'm impressed how he's handled the insanity as a teenager and, and now with his own restaurant, and he's advanced. Even more advanced than we are. Wow. And I thought I was ahead, you know, like moving here at 19... And weaseling my way into design. Right, and you're obviously a wonderkin as well. He is, but being a long-haired rocker that's good at computers is just not the same. <laughs> right. Yeah, I agree. I do remember that time very clearly, though. Formative years. Yeah, at that age, I just, I, like, I didn't understand how the world worked. Life is just kind of happening to you uh, when you're a little skip. <laughs> a little skip. I, I certainly didn't have a vision for the future. But I wonder if you'd be more advanced if you grew up in the internet age. Like, growing up as a real internet baby, and I don't think AOL chat rooms count. <laughs> Google wasn't even really a thing until what? Uh, well, like Flynn McGarry, Google was founded in 1998. I just wonder if the total access to information is part of how Flynn McGarry happens. You know, you're growing right. up with food magazines, blogs, YouTube, like everything at your fingertips. Mm, the rise of food culture in general. I think there's something interesting in like the ability for young people to sponge up so much. Like 
if you're the person who has such a strong interest in something so specific, like so right. early. I mean, that's probably, I mean, that's part of it. I remember feeling that way about the internet, that it was a way to feed one's compulsions, if you will. But I was kind of all over the place with my interests. Flynn's perhaps unusual in having like such a specific focus. But being a chef is about being all over the place. You're cooking for sure, but you have to deal with people. Right. People you're serving, to the team around you. You're, sure. you're not just chained to the comp. Right. Uh, you have to still be a regular person, you know what I mean? And you're building a brand, or at least you need to be if you're you know, going to open your own place. No one's cutting you a check just because you're... A wizard in the kitchen. No, that is not why you get the bag. No. It's like music. The star gets the record deal. And Flynn's got that. He's already sort of a star. Oh, hella star power. No question. <laughs> I think a lot of folks might think it's all about the age. You know, right. the whole child prodigy thing. Look, you know, that's not the point, though. That's not what I No, mean. no, I know what you mean. I'm saying the child prodigy stuff is boring and all the coverage out there. It's, it's missing the point that, like, you know, no one gets this far this fast without it being real, without having the, you know... <laughs> Star power. Ooh, ooh. It has to be there. A Wonder Kid narrative only carries you so far. Right. And it's been a long time since he was getting pressed for being a teen chef. And not everyone has the follow through, the stick to itiveness. Wow. Uh, what a word. Wow, wow, wow. wow. What a, what a non word. No, that's a word. Uh, <laughs> you know, to make it in the big leagues. Yeah, but what I want the listenership to take away from this episode is that Flynn is still just a regular person. A you regular know? Joe. A regular old guy with a spatula. He's really fun to hang out with. Food Joe. <laughs> Food Joe. And he's a good sport. Uh, I will say our music quiz was more of a roasting. I'm not into this game. You know, Flynn is a fan of the not only the brand, but also the show. Uh, sure. And, you know, he would have been justifiably disappointed uh, if we didn't give him the full, full <laughs> public announcement experience that we're so well regarded for. Uh, and he really should be educated on music from his birth year. 1998. Yeah. I mean, but do you two know everything about music from 1982? Oh, absolutely. Of yes. course we do. Yes. Of course we do. Name a record from 1982. Yeah, what kind? What do you want? Any record. 1982. Well, you know, the uh, the Smiths were formed in 82. I, do I know? Of course I fucking know. Oh but but the first record did not come out until 1984, so, I, you know. So you still haven't answered my question. 1982's The Blurred Crusade by The Church, for oh. example. Mm, right. Another, another, another. Public announcement formative Graham. <laughs> Number of the Beast, Iron Maiden. Disgusting but classic. Right. Let's Dance by the God, David Bowie. Mm -hmm. R.I.P., rest in peace. Actually, mm. maybe that was 83. Let's see. Like, Scary Monsters, 80. Let's Dance was... It's either 82 or 83. You know what? Don't start him up, man. This this is the wrong challenge. I'm just saying, Flynn, if you're listening, don't feel bad about failing the music quiz. He should, he should feel a little bad. Yeah, how else do you learn? I mean, he should really log on for 98. Audrey, this is what the listenership wants. They're here for their own edification. Right. Flynn can roast me about spatulas or whatever. Or leftovers. Oh, yes. I do not care what Flynn says, what anyone says. Leftovers are good. There you go, Audrey. Audrey unleashed. Unchained. <laughs> exactly. Chin out. Isn't it, mate? It's our show. Leftover fans are welcome here. But not J. Cole fans. Okay. So let's oh, jump into on, our casual combo on. with Flynn McGarry. <laughs> you rock. You're listening to Public Announcement. I'm Chris Black. I'm James Ellis. And I'm Audrey Sun. Broadway is dark tonight. A little bit weaker than you used to be. Broadway is dark tonight. See the young man sitting in the old man's bar Waiting for his turn to die Every time, so, so Flynn owns a restaurant called Jim in the uh, Lower East Side. And every time I go there, Flynn's not there. But 30 minutes into my visit, he comes back in and he's been shopping. 
Always shop midday. Always shopping. Midday shopping, and not for food or supplies. Like no, for stuff. Most of the time, it's food or supplies. Most of the time that I see, it's stuff. It's define stuff. I'm not clothing. When have I walked in with new clothing? Multiple times. I don't think so. Multiple times. What did, did I buy? I didn't ask. I, I like, bought I clothes. Oh, a few times. Uniforms. Because people keep fucking up their uniforms. So if, he's, if he's unhappy with his staff's look, he just buys the clothes. Buys clo- I, hey, we're a small enough staff. We can do that. Do they feel disrespected? For a minute. And then they're like, oh, this looks good. It has to be that way. We forced one of our cooks to get new glasses. What? Changed his life. Honestly. They just weren't up to snuff. They were terrible glasses. They were falling apart. We took them to Garrett Light. We... You made him spend $500 on glasses? No, we split it. Wow, that is... I personally split it. What a great boss. People are seeing that it. That is... Per- well, I guess because of the open kitchen concept. So it's very nice to have you in the stewed. And yes. um, I think for today, I think, well, given your, you know, special relationship with Chris Black, I, I feel like, wow. Chris, you could maybe um, steer. Um, we, I guess when we were talking about this, and, you know, I know you pretty well, so I'm familiar with your press clippings. And most of that stuff focuses on, you know, cooking, the restaurant, food, whatever, um, you being young. But I think the part of being young that's interesting to me is that it's very rare for someone to find what they want to do at such a young age, especially, I think, when that alienates you from your peers. I sort of always was somewhat alienated, whether it was for cooking or if it was I was into other shit. Sure. And so I, I think, it, it, I mean, I was 13 years old, like hanging out. My friends at 13 were in their mid-20s. That's interesting because we have a similar parallel. Yeah, like we've been going to Atlanta punk hardcore shows like all through the teens. You're hanging out with people that are much older than you. We were the Ewoks. Because we were little, uh, like we were 12. You know, that's not normal, really. Chris and I were always hanging around, uh, you know, people that were older, more advanced. Advanced. And like you, we uh, we missed, we, we skipped a few steps along the way, like not going to college, dropping out of high school, et cetera, et cetera. So like, we, we have an appreciation uh, for this moment in your life and um, understand being out of sync with your peers because you're not having the usual 19-year-old experience. People are always like, do you feel like you like missed out on like going to parties or stuff? And it's like, well, the restaurant industry is filled with a bunch of fucking idiots who still make the same stupid mistakes that most people make when they're 19, but they just kind of continued going and still live this sort of ridiculous form of a lifestyle that isn't quote unquote, like fully grown up. Which I appreciate. Like, I love the people that continued, you know, that keep the dream alive, if you will. But you do have to be careful with that set. There's two ways to take it. I feel like somebody wants to be like older brother and then someone wants to like corrupt you. Yeah. And then you find the right balance. <laughs> which one Which one are you? I don't try to corrupt, actually. No. No, you don't. Well, no, you, met you me, really don't. You met me at a different time I, yeah, in my life, yeah, though. Yeah. I, th- I think I would have. Even at the height of the Chris Black monster. <laughs> I wish I met it. Oh, it was, it was amazing. But you never pushed anything on anybody. I'm happy to provide my bounty and share. You're a nice balance. But I just think... You're that, like, walk on the line, but don't cross it. I mean, I encourage you to do things that I think will better your career and life. And some of those may be looked at as... as Alternative. 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 Yes, exactly. Thank you. But, I mean, I wouldn't give you bad advice. Yeah. But I think if you're 13 or 14, I mean, kitchens are gnarly. There's the people who were just truly like, we don't care what's going on. And then the people who would be like, we're going to make sure you get home. We have this young person who's really ambitious and really trying to do things, and let's try not to fuck them up. Yeah. Well, somebody should feel responsible. I I had parents who were like, "Mm, yeah. There's only so much parents can do when you're out there doing it. Exactly. They gave a lot of leeway, but if I was in high school, I would have been around the same shit anyway. You probably would have been more apt to do it in high school. same. Because there's nothing on the line. And that's the thing is like, well, it might be a little 
different sort of in the music industry, but these people all had to go to work the next day. Uh, I did not have to go to work. Exactly. Really. So like, I think that's, so. that's the big difference is like, yeah, they would go get super fucked up or whatever, but everyone had to like show up to work the next day and work a 15 hour day. Like suffering is such a big part of that business in general. People take a lot of pride for like killing themselves to like get the job done. Yeah, it's fucking done. stupid. I, I think so too, but I don't understand why. I've never understood it. They like think that they're much cooler than they are. It's like, no, you just fucking cook food. Like, yeah, not that cool. Sure. It's important to have cool justifications for getting fucked up in an ongoing way. Yeah. I mean, it's very like in a certain kind of restaurant. Yes. Right. That is very rampant. And I've never liked those kinds of restaurants. You have to be up late and it's like physically taxing. So yeah. doing a little coke, I mean, you know, <laughs> got to keep the train on the tracks, baby. With the cocaine side of the industry, when I was like 13, or I was just like, why is everyone going to the bathroom? Like I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I remember being amazed after moving here at 19 thinking, wow, uh, all adults do cocaine they do yeah wow hmm. but that was probably more about like the the crowd i was with same like it was all very casual um but like chris was saying like there are a lot of people that wanted to you know fuck with you a little like tempt you with the mysteries of doing something bad because that's funny yeah i mean for me like that brings to mind the owner of kate's joint a vegan restaurant uh that that used to be on fourth and b before your time it was like you know it was it was kind of a scene yeah it was a scene it was a vegan scene it was before your time it was a thing to go to yeah lots of coke coke and vegan food they go so well together they really do i think kate just you know loved mixing it up she could do it like with all these younger people working at her restaurant i think she just got a kick out of rolling the gate down after hours yeah it's like all right kids we're doing drugs now oh like when i was like 16 17 that's when people started being like we're gonna show you something like I'm like, I'm okay. I'm you seem like kind of sad. Like, <laughs> see, that's the thing. I think that making it look good is part of the job. understanding when they don't like something in art or music and they can be like okay i didn't like it because i don't like this you could just straight up say i don't like this kind of music that's fine that's your opinion but like with food it's a little different i'm like yeah you could just say you don't like that kind of food but like if someone comes to our restaurant and they say i don't like any kind of fish it's like well there's a lot of fish on the menu and like we'll try our best to like work around it and, and make you other things but it's this weird thing where you sort of have to adapt everything you do every single night to fit what everyone else who's coming likes. Because you can't just say, no, this is what it is. People get pissed off. 
I think it's also because people look at food like a service yeah. versus an art. And even if you're going because someone is like, it's so artful and so amazing, no matter what you have this, yes, you have this yeah. idea like, well, I'm the one with the money and I'm only really, really, really <laughs> respecting it if you service me properly. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's like what it's like someone going to like a play and being like, I don't like the way that guy looks. Can right. you leave? Or like, like, can you change and come back? Because yeah. this isn't working for that's me. That's like what Flynn does to his employees. Right? Yeah, exactly. That's what <laughs> Those are the wrong glasses. Can you change and come? This isn't going to work. Can you change and come back? Someone might come and not like his glasses and we, true. we can't have that happen. It's true. I've had to ask some employees to. Buy clothes. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Or like take a shower. That too. <laughs> yeah, always. I was going to say though, I think I, I sort of disagree with that sentiment that you're expressing there. Because I think you could be a little more chin out. Like, well, this is my restaurant. This is an experience. You can't. I think you could do that in like the 90s. I don't think you can do that too, I think it's too competitive. And I think that people are too fucking weird about their diets. I'd like straight up tonight, we have 34 people coming and 18 of them. Have some sort of dietary thing. Give me some examples. Yeah. So we have someone who doesn't like mushrooms. We have someone who says they're allergic to shellfish, but then when we called them, they said, I just don't really like it. Mm -hmm. So, which is a weird thing to lie about because that's a very dangerous allergy. Yeah, you die. Someone who doesn't eat shellfish, someone who doesn't like mushrooms. We have four vegetarians, two people who don't eat pork, but they'll eat it in a sauce. (laughs) We have one person who's allergic to eggs, dairy, gluten nuts and seeds and we tried to tell them not to come because they're like oh i just get a rash from everything but like that isn't all foods that is all foods that's impossible i know a baby like that don't bring that baby to my restaurant (laughs) part of why i imagine that you could just be a little more like this is the restaurant this is what we're serving tonight get on board is because it is a a fixed price thing yes for the listener i guess we should have mentioned that it's a prefixed we had a group of like six german people the other night who sat down and they're like, can we have a menu? And we we're like, you guys already paid for a full tasting menu. How don't you know that you're getting this whole thing? And they were just like very confused the whole time. But I mean, at the same time, it was like we try to cater to everyone because they really like that. But we spend about half the day making up new dishes for like right now that we cook like six different menus tonight. I'm pretty bad and I've gotten better because I realize how difficult life is to go through like that. If you're a, like <laughs> deathly allergic to everything, you just can't go to restaurants. Yeah. I don't think. Oh, for because sure. Because no. I've worked in all of them, and you've seen it. And like every night, everyone's just like, "We're gonna kill someone." Like, <laughs> like we're someone's gonna walk, someone's gonna die. We have someone who came in the other night who they said if we touched a clam and then touched their food, they would like go into anaphylactic shock. <laughs> and the first course that everyone else gets is like five types of shellfish. Right. So we're plating their dish at the same time as plating five types of shellfish for 18 other people. And it's really scary. Now, what about cooking outside the office? Are you cooking a lot at home or, or no? No, I, just, I don't like food smell in my house. Do you house. cook at home? No. Even just like no? some butter I, and garlic I literally smell? just asked Come my on. landlord if I could rip out my kitchen. You know how much space in a tiny apartment a kitchen takes up? Yeah. I Your do. Yeah, and it's a shitty, it's a kitchen that's like a kitchen you don't even want to use. I have shoes in my oven. Yeah. Hell this yeah. This is crazy. Yeah, hell yeah. yeah. That's the kind of professional I'm looking for because he leaves his work at work. Yeah. His time at home is his time at home. Exactly. I like that, Flynn. My kitchen is my happy place. Mine's mine because I got all my shoes in it. <laughs> <laughs> Sitting in a restaurant is my happy place. You know how much I love restaurants. Yeah. I talk about this all the time. I love restaurants. On my days off, I just go to other restaurants. That's not something everyone can do. I think if that True. were if that were the case for me, then maybe I would like my kitchen less. Well, people cook for pleasure. That's not fun for me. Cooking for yourself is 
Not fun. No. Sort of depressing. True. And very expensive. Wasteful, even. Mm. I also don't like leftovers. Ooh, oh, no. my Hell God. No. Hell no. I love oh, leftovers. Yeah, right there. We, my son leftovers. doesn't like leftovers. I don't fuck with leftovers. <laughs> I don't fuck with leftovers. I already ate it. Why would I, I eat like it again? I this is a boy Why thing. Why do I want that I shit again? I just, I, just I, just I just had it. Right. I just had it. There's a remix in the making. No. There's a remix no. in the no. making. No. And sometimes the marinade makes a whole other life. No. Day two. Take your little turkey sandwich ass somewhere else. We This is obviously not a turkey sandwich. What, okay, wait. Like, what kind of leftovers are you talking about? Uh, like curry. No. Yes. Ah, just no. Yes. Okay. How do you reheat it? Steam it, or I might throw it into like a pan and like throw extra shit in it. So but if you throw it in the pan, it dries out the sauce. And it doesn't. Ooh. Or sometimes, for example. <laughs> One thing I really like to do is I make like a fake Chinese porridge thing in the morning. So I like overcook oatmeal and then I put leftovers in it to make like a salty gruel. That's so, terrible. It's so good. It is so good. Sorry, we have a professional. He said it's bad. It's bad. That's how I, I default to the professional. No offense to you. And an overcooked oatmeal. <laughs> If you like it, if it tastes good to you, that's fine. But it's as delicious. We, as we've covered, it's subjective. So it's they're subjective. Linda that is able, not for me. Also not for me. We all knew it was not for you. I also don't that's like breakfast. Oh, my God. You don't eat breakfast? I get like a croissant and a coffee. I should have brought the date balls. Or a date ball. We yeah. actually make some great date balls. Date balls are popping I made there. I made a set this morning. They were what so What kind of date balls? Uh, there's durian. Where are they? I They're in the freezer at home. God damn I it. I sent you a picture. A durian date ball sounds yeah. crazy. I had freeze-dried durian from Thailand, and I like mashed them up, and then I rolled oh. the date balls in them. Ooh. They're really good. And the oh. other ones are rolled in black sesame cereal, and the sure. other one in matcha. Okay, well, bring the matcha for so me. So you like yeah. really, you like go for it. Like you're, you're so like cooking good. at home. It makes me happy. I'm glad it makes you happy. Don't don't forget the granola mix. You like at least you flames. appreciated no, that. I, I, I'm but, good at it. I'm just saying. I get it. If you have a nice kitchen, if I was like a millionaire in New York, yeah, I'd have hey, a nice hey, kitchen. Hey, hey, Flynn, you're on your way. One day. Let me ask this: Do you think chicks that you go on dates with want you to cook for them? Like, can you cook for me? Can you cook for me? <laughs> every time. That is the first message I receive every time I'm right, and I say you can make a reservation. <laughs> What, do you hit them with a discount card? <laughs> if they're looking good, you hit them with a discount card. I just, I just sent a link to the reservation. Dude, that is so savage. That's that's unreal. It's a joke. They're not going to like the but food. But you will cook for a girl. Not really. You won't. Even not if at, you're really trying to shoot your shot. Not in my apartment. I don't have pots or So pans. you're going to take, oh, so would you do the late night, come to the restaurant, I'll cook for you in the restaurant, empty? I've never done that. Dog, That's the. you got to hold that card, baby. I know. That's I'm, big. I'm holding that card. That's a big move. When I'm really trying to close the deal, that's what I'm doing. Yeah. I'm, I'm making him cook in the restaurant when it's closed. I'll do it for you, Chris. Hey. Yeah, because I love talking to you about dating. Because <laughs> you're young, yeah, relatively well-known in a certain circle, and I just think that's a perfect combo. It's <laughs> the perfect storm. Because we're friends, I, there's plenty of things that, that I've heard about that give me the ammo that I need. Oh, yeah. But I mean, it's, have all the ammo. it's wild out it's here. It's crazy out here. And it just really makes me feel this deep generational divide <laughs> on how it all works for you versus people my age. Oh, no, it's fascinating. Walk me through it. Give me like a good example that has all the highs and lows, but doesn't incriminate anyone, including yourself. The whole workflow. The key to this is that it always starts on the fucking internet. If I just met someone randomly at a party, they know just what you tell them 
Of course. If I direct message someone on Instagram, which has happened very recently, oh. they will respond with someone that they know that I have probably done the same thing to. Oh, I see. You're saying the network is small. It, the network is small and you know too much. They can Google you and you can't Google them. No, but I mean, I mean, like, they could literally go on a photo of mine and see which of their friends liked a photo of mine and then text their friend and say, who is this person? And then, Oh, I see. They're getting a one-to-one. Especially New York City. Everyone knows everyone. Most of them have just moved here. You're 19. Yeah. So what's your range looking like? 19 to like 23. Low. Low. I was surprised. I thought you were going to go to like 40. <laughs> I was surprised. Jay, I was quite surprised. Okay. I got to understand my audience. Look, I think you, you need look, to expand your horizon. He looks 19. There's yeah. no question <laughs> yeah. of his age. No, exactly. I looked very 19 at 19. You did look really young. You looked really young. Yeah, I looked like 14 when I was like 25. Yeah, well, that's Asian well, stuff. <laughs> I was like an episode of Together Better <laughs> yeah, at the club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I did well with, um, well, I guess I only really dated older women, uh, my wife included. Aaron's a little older than me. The women that were sort of interested in a, uh, like in a little buddy. The thing with that for me though, is I don't really like being fetishized. Why not? Let the teachers teach. You don't have a choice. Also, I feel like um, young people, your contemporaries get so in their heads about relationships. Like everything's a very big deal. Someone older and wiser is uh, more like, calm down. Just sit in the car. No, don't get me wrong. Don't touch nothing. Don't get me wrong. It has gone well above. I only would personally recommend older also because you're advanced. Yeah, but I mean. So I, if you're talking to a 19-year-old that's a regular-ass college boring. student, like, what the fuck you got? You ain't got nothing to talk about. Truly nothing. What are you going to talk about? You own a business. Mm-hmm. A, a person your age will think that's attractive until they have to, like, deal with it. And then they're like, this sucks. Why can't this yeah. guy just hang out all the time? This has been so every they, single person. It, and then as soon as they realize, like, you ain't got time for them, really. Yes. They're out. Most people, roughly in my age range, are pretty stupid. And there's a lot of stupidity that I just don't have time I for. I appreciate your generalizations. Honestly, I talk about this a lot with my friend Ari, who's also a chef. Yes, we work a ton, but if you actually like like someone... You make it work. You make it work. Like, There's a lot of people that I'm just like, sorry, I've been really busy. I can I respond to all your texts. Hey, that's right. That's VIP no, right like, here, If baby. I actually am friends he with someone... He says, hit the bat phone, baby. You know what it is. <laughs> I gotta get a bat, bat phone. What do you think your timeline is on getting burnt out? Ten years. You got ten more. Yeah. That sounds about reasonable. What does burnt out mean to you? I can't be in a restaurant every day. Mm. Like, I have probably three more years before I get burnt out of, like, actually cooking every single day. Ten more years running restaurants on, like, the day-to-day basis. I think at that point I will just be done with it. It's two different things. The cooking part and the running the restaurant are two different things. Which is what I've been realizing recently of, like, both of them take up so much time that, like, if I want to cook every day, I need to hire someone to do all the other shit. Also... When it's your business, you don't want to just hire some random person to like run the whole well, thing. Because you're on the hook for this shit. I want people to realize that. Yeah, I'm it's, on the hook for both sides. If a bill doesn't get paid, I'm on the hook. If yeah. someone has a bad meal, I'm on the hook. That's a difficult place to be. It is not a sustainable place to be. Yeah. yeah. But uh, it's not like I just opened some fucking random restaurant and I don't care about literally everything in it. So it's not like I'm willing to just be like, yeah, you guys figure that part out. I'm going to do this part. I understand it's not sustainable. I honestly think sustainable restaurants are fucking boring. A sustainably run restaurant is a boring ass regular restaurant and they don't cook good food because you need the sort of like 
excitement, but you need a little bit of like the edge. Mm-hmm. You need some edge. What? Well, what's it like being the boss when everybody's older than you? Everyone who works at the restaurant is older than me, but I've worked in restaurants longer than all of them. How did you choose your team? It took a long time. I mean, a lot of them I had worked with in the past. Um, it is a whole thing of finding people who get it and are willing to have a 19-year-old boss them around and have really ridiculous expectations and make you buy new glasses. And I mean, I'm actually kind of glad that person left. I didn't like his outfits. Um, <laughs> I'm also very understanding of how much of a pain in the ass I am. Well, it's it's hard when you're doing the whole culture of excellence kind of restaurant. There, there's, there's restaurants that are sort of like thought of as like meccas. That's how they're run. And it takes a really long time to like get everyone exactly on the same page as far as like the way that you put something away or the way that you... Yeah, it's like performance. It's like a really It's serious... like a full-on cult I talk about all the time of like you are trying to get a group of people to think of everything the exact same way that you do. But after this, maybe after I burn out, I can run a cult because it. <laughs> I'm already making people dress a certain way. Let's talk about the movie. Excuse me, the documentary. Yeah, we're not supposed to call it a film. We call it a doc. A doc. Because that's the category it goes in at festivals. I I had a briefing about this recently. Did you really? Yes. Well, so the doc is you from what age? My my mom's a filmmaker, so it has home footage from when I was one. So it's from when I was one until like 18. Yeah, that is insane. Yeah, it's my whole life. It focuses on the few years after people started writing about me and and I was doing all these pop-ups and it's that, but then also my family and my mom and people who dealt with having a... A family member that suddenly... Randomly got really well-known and how my mom had to deal with all of that. It, it does focus a lot more on my family. Um, so like way back when the documentary got started, like was the project something you were interested in? No. <laughs> I had turned down a lot of things. I had turned down a show on Bravo that, in hindsight, I think would have been really funny. You fucking idiot. If I was representing you, would be rich right now. No, because I was a pain in the ass. You're still a pain in the ass, but yeah. you'd be rich. It's better. I was very against anything that I didn't have full control over. I just wanted the restaurant, and I was down to do things that would make me money and get me there, but I didn't want to do anything that was such a huge statement. Sure. And then we had a few people kind of reach out about doing a documentary, but one part of me was like, oh, there's no documentary here yet and then we met the documentarian Cameron Yates who ended up just becoming really good friends with him and he spent like eight months like coming to LA and hanging out with us and coming to all the pop-ups and when I came to New York let me stay at their apartment for when I was working at Madison Park and became like a friend first which I think was very important for us trusting him to make it but it was something that like during the time that he was filming it was just like another thing because he was there for the height of all the press and like the TV appearances. He came appearances. in right after the sort of first big few articles and was essentially there as all of that stuff was happening. Those three years were everything. And then I sort of purposely dropped off the face of the earth for a little bit and then stopped filming for a little bit because I moved to Europe and then would film kind of every once in a while after I moved to New York. And then like in November... He called me and he was like, we got into Sundance. And I was like, oh, I forgot about this. Like, it's done? Like, um, So how's it been seeing your life played back? During that time, I was just so in the zone that like 70% of that film, I have barely any recollection of. There's huge events that sort of happened that sort of like, oh, I forgot about that. The thing that I really like about it too is there for some reason, which I've never really understood, there's some kind of cloud of mystery around me. Because a lot of the way that the press talks about me is very, like, alien. Like, there's this kid who cooks. And so I think that confused a lot of people. 
about what it actually was during that whole craziness and like what my family's like. And it shows it for exactly sort of how it was, not through the filter of journalists. Every single interview I do, they go, it's like, do you do anything that's like a normal 19 year old? And it's like, right. well, no. But yeah, I, you do. You're on Raya. That's, that's, not, that's not even a normal 19 year old. No, you're right. You're right. If it was the 1800s, a 19 year old would like have a full family. And so like, you can watch it and like it. I can watch it twice and like it. Yeah, I can't yeah. watch it anymore. Sure. Some part of you must have known like, oh, part of getting to the level that I want to get to is doing all this stuff and letting this mythology get pumped up out in the world. Like it's going to be awkward, but let's ride the ride. Yeah. It's an understanding that your story and I guess the the media side of being a chef is just part of it. I totally understood you need people to eat your food. Mm, I like that. I got media trained by doing it. I didn't have a publicist, barely even have a publicist now. We have a publicist for the restaurant. So what was that experience like? When you're first coming out, you want to be very careful with everything you say and not try to make huge statements. And the most casual large statement I would say would get so absurdly blown out of proportion. One time I literally in an interview said, or was it in the New York Times, they asked me like what my dream is. And I said, I wanted one of the best restaurants in the world because it's an unachievable goal. I want a goal that's unachievable. So I keep doing it every day. And then the next month, <laughs> I see where this is going. <laughs> the next month, the literal title of the article is She Wants the Best Restaurant in the World. And that got rewritten a thousand times to the point where it was a quote that I had never said of me saying, I want to have the best restaurant in the world. The only hesitation or the only sort of second guessing thoughts that I had were from being in an interview and someone saying, why are you doing this? It forces you to be very introspective and very self-aware. Everyone's going to straight up ask you, like, what's wrong with you when you get kind of well-known? It made me think about all those things. The way I've done interviews have been a lot of me being like, oh, like, that's actually a really interesting point because, like, I'm not thinking about it. I'm just doing shit. Good question. Yeah. No, literally, these are the only points at which I reflect on what I'm doing. When I'm hanging out with friends, I'm not, like, talking about what I do in the way that I would in an interview. I've always been the kind of person that's like, I do what I do. When I'm not doing it, I don't do that, and I don't talk about that. Even if I go on a date and they're like, oh, I just want to talk about food the whole time. I'm like, this is the last thing I want to talk it's, about. It's true, though. You don't really talk about food that much. But I imagine like so many people have an idea that that's all you care about. I got put into a very heavy box of this is all you do and this is all you know. And when, when I was like 13, I read The Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell. And I remember reading this whole part about sort of how people who do things very young or prodigies. Okay, hey, hey, nobody said prodigy. <laughs> nobody said prodigy. I didn't say one. prodigy. I said people, other prodigies. Other prodigies. I my think of myself as a wunderkind. My contemporaries said this. My colleagues. Yeah, my colleagues. colleagues. My exact equals my said this. My prodigy colleagues. <laughs> prodigies are fucking weird. I've never thought of myself as one because I just liked doing this. But there's a difference between what I do I think and being like a math prodigy oh for sure but I think you're just more I don't know you're like socially fine no, I think I think a lot of them are shut-ins and but, can't but that's the thing is like I read that book when I was like 12 and I was like ah this scares me there's this whole thing about how you're when you do something and one thing and that's all you do constantly one part of your brain it's like your friend becomes overdeveloped and everything else becomes underdeveloped which is why a lot of them like can only talk about one thing or that's all they think about and nothing else what I do is a mix of everything. It's a mix of talking to people, what the room is like, music. No one would fucking write about me if I didn't know how to like talk to someone. And I think that even goes with like general chefs of like, 
Food Network and all that kind of stuff, they had to be interesting. They couldn't just make incredible food because you can't actually taste it. You're watching it or you're reading about it. It really is such a comprehensive thing. Like, and it's the kind of work where you have to balance the magic of this particular interest, like this particular compulsion you have. I'm a very compulsive person. But it's hard to balance that with everything else. It's hard to use your compulsions and connect them with like being a talker, building a team, a brand, et cetera, like, while still pushing the limits on the food side. You know, and without, well, it's, it's, without getting lost in only that. That's what I mean of this sort of edge to restaurants is like they are compulsive restaurants. The best things I've done have been completely and utterly compulsive. It's such a specific thing that you can't recreate. I mean, it's hard to recreate, I suppose, uh, because it's like it's unique to you that when you're really doing your thing and you're in the zone, like it gives you something. It's a it's a feeling that I imagine you're addicted to and that it's something others might not relate to. One could say the same thing about, like, the math wizard that loves memorizing prime numbers or whatever. Loser. That's me. It's interesting to me that, like, all through your teenage years, you've been so in the zone, just hot-dogging all over everyone. Yeah. The profile and the brand. Or brand is strong. The brand is very strong. Very strong. So now it's about transforming this idiosyncratic aspect of your mind, your, your identity, and turning it into a business. Like, you have a team of people. Like, their livelihoods are connected to this thing. It starts to become it's so much bigger than you. It's very strange that, like, people's livelihoods are based off of your weird compulsions and the weird things you do. Right. I mean, I talk about it a lot with the staff that I have because everything in that space is based on a, a thought-out compulsion. Now I have a staff of 12 people that essentially what they do is based off of the random thoughts that I have every day and how it's going to turn out. The way that a guest comes and the way that their food is served and the way that they're entire experiences is based off of some random compulsion that I might have. That's what makes it great, but that's what also makes it dangerous and makes it have a huge possibility of failure. Of like, in I mean, we've been open two months and we've changed everything maybe six times. When I was 15 or whatever, I didn't really trust my compulsions. If I was like, oh, I want to change this dish right now, and we're halfway through the day, it's already prepped, I would apologize to the cook who made it. But now it truly is your job to make those calls, and you have to be comfortable with the idea that when you believe it's time to make a course correction, like you just got to make the change, keep it moving. In the six times we've changed it, I think it's become a better restaurant six different times. And now we're probably going to change it all again soon. And like, I think it also keeps everyone's minds going. Well, I'm fascinated how this next year goes. So am I. Like all the various iterations that you'll go through to uh, well, I mean, shape this idea that you've been chasing all these years. The most interesting thing to me that I sort of actually realized the other day in an interview was... I get asked also every day, what's next? Which is a sort of an offensive thing to ask someone who just... Opened a restaurant. Opened a restaurant. <laughs> My goal since I was 10 years old was to have this thing. And now I have it. That's it, guys. Let, like, me, let me cook, literally. Well, no, I'm literally just like, like... I've had nine years of such a specific thing driving what I do. And now this restaurant will dictate what next is. And I have no clue. Like, I might in two years quit and go do something else. I have literally no clue. For so long, it's just been this, like, is this going to get me closer to what I want or further away? But now that that thing exists, everything's just <laughs> up in the air. Which is a strange and, and wonderful thing, you know, reaching some goal you've chased for years and years. And now the uh, the realness of it all must be <laughs> reckoned with. Uh, yeah. but, but I don't want to beat that idea to death. Like, you'll, you'll figure it all out, I'm sure. Uh, so perhaps I think we should uh, keep it moving. Let's uh, let's switch gears here 
Chris? Yeah, I think we should start the quiz portion. Now, did he tell you about this idea? No. No, I didn't. That would ruin it. I quizzed well. Oh, we'll see. Don't get too cocky there, friend. This ain't the kitchen. I don't like that face you're making. What? The your lean back, uh, grin? Ha- your lean back uh, grin. It's a smize. This is a um, music-based quiz. Ooh. In the Millennial Survey, we played snippets of songs that we grew up with. Oh, God. This is a twist, a version of that. We'll just, just do a quiz episode. We should just do a quiz episode. I'll wear a tux. A quiz episode. I, I feel like the best part of podcasts are mostly quizzes. There you go. Because everyone's on the spot. Because podcasts are a lot of just people just stroking their ego with very long answers. And then you throw out a quiz where... Puts them on their toes. I'm on my toes. According to your uh, Wikipedia page, you were born in 1998. So I've chosen some songs from 1998. Okay. And these are, I mean, Jay, these are popular songs. These aren't obscure. Even I would not have Block failed this. Blockbuster. These are, these are not okay. obscure songs. So okay. I, I, I didn't set you up to fail. Okay. Like I, I feel like you could do pretty well with this. How long are we going to give it? My engineer is still setting up. Just give him one second. I also will, will start this out with the fact that I have very bad recollection of names of things. I will try my best, but... Well, look, Flynn, you there's, know. There's no right, no wrong. There is right and wrong because cool. I want I want people to know that your little prodigy ass is human and you can fail. My little prodigy ass has one part of my brain that's overdeveloped that does not include songs from 1998. I'm trying to bring you down a notch. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm going to leave this pot on a high note. I can't wait. How long per, per we'll song? See, we'll see what grabs okay, yeah, you. Now, now to be yeah, fair, yeah. I think to be fair, to make this as easy as possible for you, I'm willing to, to give title of song or artist as a correct generous. answer. Thank you. Thank you. I'm a nice guy. So nice. Nothing yet, huh? Wow. I know the song. (laughs) I just have terrible fucking names. Ooh. Ooh. Man, you hear that riff? That gets me going there. Wait. It's coming. (laughs) Turn it all up. (laughs) I'm only pretty sure that I can't take anymore. They had five singles in 1998 on the charts. Huge album. Give me some hints, because I I feel like I don't want I feel like I have an idea. I don't want to say it. The pre-chorus is gonna tell the story. Yeah, yeah. San Francisco-based band. Doubling pre-chorus. Doubling. They saw it and they added more. Damn, this one is wow. Getting me. I like the harmonies there. Off the dome. To be honest, this is this is actually very good. I will say. Where we used to laugh as a shouting match. Most of the songs. Sharp as a thumbnail scratch. The silence I can't ignore. Like the hammock by the door. Spend time in. Most of the songs that I have. I don't see lightning. Love as far from the 90s. Because I'm about to hit me. Because I've heard that fresh on the word dead.
So, look, you got that one wrong. That was How's It Gonna Be from Third Eye Blind. I heard it on self-titled album. Everything alternative. I knew, I knew it was Third Eye Blind. Of course, yeah, we got it wrong. All right, here we go, number two. Oh, you should know this by now. He's from your hometown. Okay, honestly, I would have failed this. I actually don't. No, no, no. Just have this on in the background when uh, you're on a date. Yeah, no, I've heard. I've listened to this song. I'm just gonna give a hint. I have to give a hint because he's gonna get zero right if I don't help. He committed suicide. How big? How big was this song? Oh, come. This is... I mean, I just mean, the... Just how, absolute bloody classic. I'm not into this game. Wow, Flynn. Two wrong. Between, between the bars. Elliot Smith. Either I, or. Oh, he said... Oh, I know. You didn't know, because if you knew, you would have gotten it right. I have the song. I forgot... The suicide was... Because uh, I was like... I forgot that Elliot said... It's, it's contested, actually. Some There's a conspiracy theory that his girlfriend actually killed him because he stabbed himself, which is the gnarliest shit you could possibly do. Well, speaking of... Girlfriend conspiracy. Oh, great. Nice, nice segue. Here we go. Number three. Everything. I kind of hope I get all these wrong now. Oh, make me over. I'm all I want to be. This really hits. With some American drums. I know this one. I have three, like, thoughts. Okay, thought. Let's go. Let's hear all three thoughts. Yeah, first thought. First thought. No, I feel like I'm going to... See, this is the thing is I feel like they're all going to be wrong. That's fine, Flynn. That's how you discover what's right. Oh, look at my face. Related to a suicide. Another famous suicide. Uh, power couple. Power couple. Some also think the deceased wrote all her hit songs. Or Billy Corgan. Or Billy Corgan. See, you guys are throwing out things that <laughs> mean literally nothing to me. So, so we're confused. hurting you more than You're we're helping. hurting me more than it's helping. Listen to that. Damn, I want to have that kind of power. That's a 1998. Switch the acoustic. <laughs> I was actually a huge fan of this album. It's great. Gotta have, gotta have my tank hand me the acoustic. So are you going to tap out on this? So I'll tap out on this one. I hope I get one right. Celebrity skin. Hole. No, okay, didn't register. What were the right. three ideas? Well, because I bet you you were close. I bet you were close. Yeah. Sort of. For a second, I was like, "Is this garbage?" Oh, that was, that's, that's fair. Not that's far. fair. That actually, not that far. actually makes you look good here because that's a deeper cut from that era showing your death. Uh, all right, number four. This one I think you should get. Jay, what do you think? Is this the easiest one? I gotta go study up. You do need to study up. My '90s. It's the best era. I watched We Love the '90s on HBO. <laughs> Music now. So the listener at home, Flynn is in deep concentration right now. I have a good hint. Okay. Okay, so both Drake and Cardi B have sampled this artist in the last month. Oh, very good hint. Contemporary hint. You're just too good to be true. Can't take my eyes off of you. You be like heaven to touch. I wanna hold you so much And long last love has arrived And I thank God I'm alive Maybe. You're just too good to be true 
Specific I, yeah, he does. Yeah. That's true. That's true. On the first ones, like Outcast sounds exact. Like there's no other. True. They're singular. Yes. Lauren Hill sounds very much like Lauren Hill. Agreed. The rest of them, the, it was. Yeah, you could say this about that whole track. The whole but, song for sure. But <laughs> Elliot Smith, Smith is. Elliot Smith, yes. This has been very revealing. I think it shows what I have listened to of. Well, 90s I wanted music. to bring your little ass back down to earth yeah. and, and remind people that you are 19. Yeah. Even even though you're so wise and successful beyond your years, I mean, you still can't pick a whole song out of a lineup. I don't think that's the worst thing. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> you're listening to Public Announcement. I'm Chris Black. I'm James Ellis. I'm Audrey So. You rock. Uh, this show is produced by the god Jim Nicholas. With editing and mixing by Jose Guzman. To our guest, Flynn McGarry. Find out more about his restaurant, Gem, at gem-nyc.com. If you, you know, if you see something you like, check Flynn or Raya. He's probably there looking to get matched with. You know what I'm saying? I want to see my son all alone. We like to get a station ID. Cool. My name is Flynn McGarry, and I'm coming to you live to tape. That's great. The public announcement global headquarters in the heart of Little Italy. Thank you. You know, do that again, maybe a little more. Exactly. You're listening to public announcement. Public announcement. That's great. My name is Flynn McGarry, and I'm coming to you live to tape from the public announcement global headquarters in the heart of Little Italy. See that? What?
Come make me over!